Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, uh, welcome back for another week. Uh, we're going to preview three teams this, uh, today. Dallas Mavericks, Toronto Raptors, and the New Orleans Pelicans. And real quick, thoughts uh, on the playoffs so far since it's been a week. Yeah, it's been it, what a wild playoffs just with the the Heat and the Lakers as we record this on Tuesday morning. They're they're both up now 3-1 in their series. An 8 seed and a 7 seed are up. The uh, other two series which which kind of were the chalk series, the the East the 2-3 Celtics Sixers and West 1-4 uh Nuggets Suns. They're both 2-2. So, uh it's just been you know, truly unpredictable playoffs and my my fear is this is going to lead to even more the regular season doesn't matter uh conversation and and i think even the heat and lakers would probably still uh begrudgingly say like no we'd rather not have had this been our path um but you know they're they're absolutely making the most of their chances i mean miami we thought you know, they lost their first play in tournament game and we're like, all right, are he not even going to get there? And, and now here we are, you know, into this and it's been absolutely wild. So yeah, really, really crazy playoffs so far. Yeah, totally agree. I think the league is probably, they, they were probably hoping Golden State would continue their run just because of the narrative of the dynasty. But the fact that the Lakers are potentially moving on and LeBron and the whole AD situation I think they would rather have that narrative (laughs) than the Golden State narrative. And then if for some reason Phoenix gets past Denver, then you've got a a great matchup in the final conference final. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out because it it is definitely not how we anticipated this at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to believe somewhere in the uh, NBA league office, if we could pour a whole lot of truth serum into their morning coffee, we'd get some uh, admittance that they they would not mind a Celtics Lakers uh, finals matchup because it's, you know, kind of the the, the league's historic rivalry. And and I I think if we could get them to to admit to it, because, of course, you know, they'll tell us we'll take anybody. You know, we we love all of our teams and all that stuff that they say. But but I have to believe that they would be okay with Celtics. Lakers. All right, that takes us into, as I mentioned, we got Dallas, Toronto, New Orleans. We're starting off with Dallas here. We've just posted the article. The other two will be coming here shortly. Uh, Dallas Mavericks, my takeaway from this is there are so many questions, but not a lot of easy answers. And, And I sort of went the route of to keep Kyrie or not to keep Kyrie. Uh, there's, there's just, what do you do with this Dallas Mavericks roster? I mean, it seems like the last few years they've sort of thrown darts at a wall, hope something sticks, doesn't work out as they hope. Then they do it again with Kyrie. Um, they had done it with Porzingis, now Kyrie and uh, Christian Wood. That doesn't seem to really have worked out to the, the way they expected. So, from your analysis, where do the Dallas Mavericks go from here? Yeah, it, 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 you're right. There is no easy answers, and part of that is the Kyrie of it all, right? Even if we remove 
all of the non-basketball related stuff, which which you obviously can't do, right? Because those are very real things with him. But even if you could take those out of the mix, you would have a guy who is, he's now, let me make sure I have this right. He is going to be, or he is 31. So guards, small guards, they age better than they ever have. But this is his last chance probably at a full max contract. No, no small guard has ever gotten a max contract in their mid-30s. So in his early 30s, he's probably got one more shot in him. But the reality is he was unhappy in Cleveland. At the end, he was unhappy in Boston. He was unhappy in Brooklyn. If you're Dallas, you almost feel like, and I wrote this in the article on the site, is you feel like you're on the clock with him before the ink's even dry on the new contract because it's probably just going to end poorly. So you have to weigh, you know, where are we at? My guess is they re-sign him just because they gave up quite a bit to get him. Uh, you, you, you don't really have a path if you don't. But Kyrie's also one of those guys who it, rarely do I ever, Scott, believe an athlete when they say it's not about the money <laughs> like it just because all right that's rarely is that ever true Kyrie seems like the one guy who yeah I could probably believe him when he says that because he tends to be a little bit in a position where he says it's not about the money and then he does things that kind of prove maybe it really isn't about the money so I do kind of wonder if he could be a guy who he just says, you know what? I don't want to be here. I want to be here instead and does something crazy, like take some MLE or something like that, just because he's a different kind of guy. I tend to think he's probably going to be in Dallas, probably on a four-year max deal. And the real question will be, is Dallas protected on the end of it or not? But you, you, and if you're the Mavs, you almost have to re-sign him because even if you let him go, really let all the rest of your free agents go, you would have cap space, but it's not going to be enough to really remake your roster fully the way you would need to. Now you could say, all right, but then the next year Davis Bertans comes off the books and we can go a slightly different direction there. And that frees up even more. Maybe you kind of take it as an interim year, but now you're talking two years in a row of Luca just kind of petering out and not being great. So there really are no easy answers here for the Mavericks. How, how do the Mavericks build around Luca, who's extremely ball dominant, second year of his rookie designated uh, extension at forty million dollars, but he he's he's has to have the ball in his hands. It's it's sort of like the James Harden era in Houston. Uh, so how do you build around that if Kyrie does move off to another team, or even if it's in the, the going into the season with him on the team? How do the Mavericks proceed with that? Yeah, so I think let's start with if Kyrie is there, because I think that tends to be the most logical thing that happens. Your targets then, you you you're because you're gonna resign him, let's just say a max. Let's say he gets that, you know, nearly forty-seven million dollar max uh first year salary. Now what's happened is you're gonna be pushing up um you'll be pushing the tax. By the time you fill out the rest of the roster, you're going to be over the tax. And then the question is, do you have enough wiggle room to be, oh, maybe you go over the apron, but stay under the, the second apron. So that way, at least you have the, uh, the, the taxpayer MLE of $5 million. Now, that's not a ton of money to spend. 
but it's not terrible when you should be. If you're a team built around Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, you should be a playoff team. And there's other good guys on this roster. Like, um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not bad. Josh Green, not bad. Maxi Kleba, not bad. You're, you're, you're in an okay place. So that $5 million has a little bit more spending power just because what will happen is the first wave of free agents will come off the board. All the cap space will be gone. The second wave will take up most of the bigger MLEs. And then you'll be left with, all right, what are we going to do here with signing guys? So you get, you know, Kyrie resigned. Then you're going out and you're looking for shooting and defense, you know, and ideally somebody who can fill both needs in one player, but you're probably looking at more of, Hey, we can offer a whole lot of minutes here, maybe on a minimum for a lot of you guys, but for one year, come back, play with Luca, rebuild your value. So you're looking at a bunch of guys, you know, the, the Dylan Brooks's of the world and the, um, you know, if, if you wanted to rehab a guy like him, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, it, sorry, I'm pulling up my free agent rankings. You're looking at Tory Craig. Uh, you know, maybe you could get into the mix with like Kelly Oubre Jr. I, I think the ship has sailed with Jay Crowder in the Mavs. He tends to burn bridges when he leaves a place, so probably not him. But then you're looking at guys like Andre Drummond to to maybe fill up some minutes at the five uh, for you. You know, and that's what probably resign Dwight Powell, Drew Eubanks. I think would be a good player because he can block some shots. Because what you need to do if you're if your main kind of guys who are going to be your engines are Irving and Doncic, you're probably going to craft a pretty good offense, almost no matter who you put alongside them. Um, even last year's bumpiness aside, but I think where you get into trouble is when you get in a position of your defense, you need guys who can block some shots, guys who can cover for them on the perimeter. Those are the things you, that you kind of need. And you know, Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, they're all nice players, but they're not necessarily the guys that are locking that down. Same with Kleba in the middle, same with Dwight Powell. If you resign them, I tend to think they probably will um, there, but yeah. Now if Kyrie leaves, I don't even know because at that point you're talking, all right, we're probably, not blowing this whole thing up, but we're looking at what can we really do? Can we package uh, Bertans and Hardaway or Bertans and, and Bullock with the pick, assuming they keep their first round pick, which has to stay at 10. If 10, uh, they, if it goes, if it goes back, even a pick, they lose it. So they, they really want to see chalk on those first four picks come up, but package those guys, a draft pick. And then now we can go get a, you know, $30 million player to bring in alongside Luca. And that's, that's how we move this forward in a completely new look. So a lot, lot of, you know, options here, pending what happens with Kyrie Irving. You mentioned the defense, the bigs, potentially Dwight Powell come back. You kind of left off Christian Wood there. So I'm I'm assuming he's just going to go to another team, or do you expect him to be back on Dallas? No, I think there's no way he's back on Dallas. All the signs uh, from him and the Mavs both are that this – Hey, we gave it a shot. It didn't work. And, and we're all moving on in our separate directions now. So I think what happens is if you're the Mavs, your best hope is turn that into a sign and trade. So you kind of conserve the salary slot and maybe bring back a guy or two that can fill up some rotation minutes. Cause if we look at this Mavs team right now as structured, they only have uh, eight players under contract for next year. And I'm counting, well, nine, if you count AJ Lawson on a two-way, um, but I'm counting, and I'm counting Reggie Bullock, whose contract's about half guaranteed in that mix. So now what you have is you've got Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleba. 
those are the guys you feel pretty good about in your rotation. Add Josh Green to that mix. If you feel, okay, maybe Jaden Hardy is ready. But JaVale McGee, Davis Bertans, those guys are not NBA rotation players anymore. So now you're in a position where, all right, what direction are we really going to go here? Now, with this, we've got a lot of rotation spots to fill out kind of across the board. We need a backup ball handler. We need, you know, more wings. We need definitely more bigs. You know, where are we going to go? So I think if, if Christian Wood is moving on, which seems almost a guarantee to happen, then what you're probably really looking at if you're the Mavs is, all right, how are we going to build this out so that we can kind of turn that in our favor so he doesn't just directly leave? And that could be a way for Christian Wood to get, you know, 15, 16, 17 million in his next contract, where otherwise he may not get that much um, because there may not be a team that has the ability or desire to spend cap space on him that's more than the mid-level exception so what you're looking at there is a sign and trade and that's probably mutual mutually beneficial for both sides you mentioned Bertans and uh, JaVale McGee are those the primary trade assets to get off the books and maybe bring something back is there a team that would even bite on either of those two to try to get better rotation players I'm going to rephrase your your terminology and call them trade pieces versus assets because <laughs> they're fair certainly enough. not assets. Yeah, fair um, enough. You know, uh, you know, Berton's at 17 million. That's you know just ter- terrible money. Um, the saving grace there is it's it's only his contract for next year because we assume he will pick up his player option. Um, then what happens is the contract becomes partially guaranteed at five million dollars. Uh, so what what we're really looking at there is. That's, you know, call that 22 million in bad money. Uh, McGee is about 11.7 million in bad money, um, which is where he's at. So I think what you're really looking at with those guys is you could throw them into a trade, but your, your real asset that you'd be giving up would be your first round pick. And this is where they were smart to structure the Kyrie Irving trade the way that they did, where they, the pick they gave up was, was it's pretty far down the line i believe it is a 2029 correct uh, yeah and just so everybody who's listening knows you can see all of this right now on spot track uh very very easily you can uh you'll pop in there and see and it's all shaded and you know colored and everything else it looks great um you know with that so great work by you on that scott um but yeah, so 2029. So you're really kind of free and clear for the next few years, provided you keep this year's pick. Um, it, it, you run into a little bit with with um, you know stuff where you're going to have to work it where you know a year after they deliver the pick to the Knicks or whatever. But that's very common. That that can happen. So I, I think that would be your your big kind of outgoing piece would be all right. Well, we can move the. Uh, the, the the pick that we have maybe with an extra future pick and those guys become more of the salary match component as opposed to getting anything really of value for either one of those players. This team is uh, quite the opposite of the teams we started off with where it was a bunch of youth, a bunch of draft picks that are starting to come into their own. Uh, they have Josh Green. He's rookie extension eligible this offseason. Do you foresee... Dallas floating an extension to him or uh, is he a player that they'll just wait and see restricted free agency and go from there? Yeah, that one's kind of tough because he did play really well this, this year. He, he, he had been a guy who kind of his first couple years just was kind of okay flashes at times more his second year. And then this year 
40% from three, 54% shooting overall, 9.1 points. He was probably, by the end of the year, their best perimeter defender. Um, really kind of fits with Luca because he he's just kind of knows what his role is. Run the floor for layups or, you know, find space and spot up and, you know, be, be ready. So the question is, if you believe the shooting is real, which I tend to believe is probably more real than not, uh, he shot 36% as a second-year player and bumped that up to 40%. The volume needs to nudge up a little bit more to feel really good about that, but I think you probably feel pretty good. So I think what happens here with Josh Green is if you can get a decent uh, salary number, if you can get him for, you know, let's say something in the – 13 million a year range, which is like MLE money. You're probably looking to do that if you're Dallas, just because he kind of fits. Well, if it's anything less than that, green probably says no way that's way too team friendly. Um, you know, I'm going to bet on myself that in year four with probably the most playing time I'll ever see, um, you know, of my, my rookie contract, um, I'll really blossom and break out. So then he's probably not going to be overly interested in doing that. And then if if you go much more than that, if you're Dallas, that starts to tilt into, all right, you already locked money into Tim Hardaway Jr. You locked money into Reggie Bullock. Like, are we just going to keep chasing wings and giving them money until one hits? So that's where you just got to be a little bit careful um, with the way you structure that. So I, this one probably ends up going to restricted free agency is my guess because they probably won't find that middle ground. But he's a player who, I think you feel pretty good about if you're the Mavs. I don't know that he's going to be a guy teams are really chasing in restricted free agency either a year from now. So you probably feel like, all right, if that's the way it goes, great. Then we get a contract year out of this guy who's really trying to earn that first big contract and we can move forward from there. The last thing with extensions is, as I was looking at the list of eligible, you know, Dwight Powell, he seems like a player that, you know, we get those random extensions <laughs> right before the new league yep. year. And he seems like a player that the Mavericks would do an extension with right at the 11th hour. Or am I reading that wrong? Yeah, it's funny with those extensions, too, because now that, you know, free agency opens uh, like earlier than midnight and they can still do extensions, you're kind of like, wait, what is this? Is this an extension or is this a new contract? Like, where are we going? And know for most people, they're like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Well, for us, we care, right? Because it matters quite a bit because of that determines whether they're extension eligible again and all these other things. So that's just become like an oddity of the new free agency process. But I am 100% with you. He seems like a guy that Dallas could say, hey, yeah, let's get him back. Let's Let's get that extension done. Let's bring him back, you know, 10 million ish a year and, and call it, you know, kind of, kind of what it is. He is going into this. This seems just, I just, there's a couple guys when you look at their years of service and their age, where all of a sudden I start to feel very old and Dwight Powell being going into his 10th year already. There's times when I'm like, wait, this guy was the kid, the Celtics drafted, like after the KG and Paul Pierce trade to, to the uh, nets, like, well, how, where are we at? And then I'm like, Oh yeah, that was 10 years ago. I guess, you know, I'm the one who needs to adjust. So um, as I really kind of look at this with him is I think there's a chance he's back, whether it's an extension, that's probably somewhat likely or whether it's just a, you know, new deal altogether. I think, you know, we could definitely see him back in Dallas because if nothing else, he's proven to be a pretty good pick and roll partner for Luca. And that's something that you're always kind of looking for if you're the Mavs. 
Anything else with the Dallas Mavericks uh, that we should know about? We should look out for reading the tea leaves with Kyrie. What do you What do you have? Yeah, with or out with or without Kyrie, there's a lot of rotation spots to be filled out on this team. So they've got a lot of work to do, and I'm I'm really curious to see how they go about it because as we talked about, there's just very limited assets to work with here. You know, and and then you know, obviously. Not to, I'm not going to go all the way back into it, but just what does Kyrie's deal look like, and what 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 is that? You know, or does Kyrie even say, you know, let's play it short term, let's let's do you know a couple years, and then I have the ability to go somewhere else if I want. Like I I think there's a lot of moving parts here, and the most important thing is you got to get it right because Luca after this year. We're already two years into his contract. Now you're down to two years left. You start to, you know, as crazy as that sounds, you're already kind of on the clock there proving to him like, hey, we're in this. We're going to build a winner around you. Just stick with us. We'll get it figured out. All right. Uh, check out the piece that's already up on SpotTrack, uh, and you can get a full breakdown there. Toronto Raptors, uh, this team, very similar to the uh, Dallas Mavericks in my mind. A lot of questions. Not easy answers. Nick Nurse is out. Where does the front office see the path of the Toronto Raptors moving forward? And it, bear with me, Keith. I've got a list of just rant going <laughs> off here, and then I'll let you go. Um, so we've the questions of Fred Van Vliet. Is he going to be there or is he gone? You got Gary Trent Jr. Is he going to be gone? Siakam has been in trade rumors all year up until the trade deadline. So we definitely don't know what his status is going to be moving forward. Then you've got Anobi, who he was, uh, you know, he could fetch a decent return in trades, which he was in trade rumors all the way through the trade deadline as well. Uh, They traded for Jakob who is now going to be a free agent. So he could walk away and they could get nothing (laughs) back for him. And the question of do you rip it down or not rip it down because of the Scotty Barnes development? So in my mind, this team has a lot of questions, probably even more than Dallas at this point, now that I've run through the gambit there. So what is your takeaway with this Toronto Raptors team? They, it sounds funny because it sounds like we're rehashing trade deadline type conversation <laughs> with them, but they're like the team everybody's watching they once are. again because of everything you just listed out. I mean, there are so many things happening with this Raptors roster that you can, you can pitch me on almost anything. And I'm like, yep, I sure I'm in, I believe it. Um, I, I think the, what's interesting is they haven't made a coach hire yet. Not too crazy right nurse was only let go roughly a month ago so now we're really in a spot where you know where are they going to go with that spot if if they go with a younger kind of developmental coach maybe they lean towards all right it's time to start breaking it down and build the next iteration they go with a more experienced coach or somebody who's considered really kind of ready to to win right away then it's probably all right we're going to make changes for sure but we're going to keep, you know, at least some of these core pieces and move this thing forward. There are other challenges. You start re-signing, you know, some or even all of these guys, this team will be wildly expensive very, very quickly. Um, 
it's not, this is kind of the lesson in team building where it sounds awesome to have. Everybody talks about these timelines, timelines, timelines. This guy doesn't meet the timeline. This guy's not on the timeline with this guy. And we want all these kids right away. And this is probably instructive for teams like Oklahoma city and Orlando that are really filled out with young players that are all roughly within a year to three years of each other. If they all pop, which they generally don't, but if they all pop at a reasonable level, you can't keep them all because you can't pay everybody, right? Unless you're the Warriors um, who did, you know, you you just can't. Like, it's just, you know, the reality is you're going to lose some of them because it just gets to be too expensive. And that's before we even factored in the new rules around what happens when you get super expensive. So for the Raptors, you mentioned them. You got Trent Jr. and Van Vliet up for new contracts right now. They're both highly likely to opt out of their, their deals for next season. Then you've got Siakam. He's extension eligible. We'll see if he makes all NBA. He's probably on the cusp. He's one of those guys we'll be watching. Those, by the way, will come out on Wednesday of this week, uh, tomorrow as we record this Tuesday. Uh, then you've got Ananobi. He's now coming into the final year of his deal because he's got a player option that he's very likely to opt out of because his deal was so team-friendly a year ago. And then you've got Barnes, who's still on his rookie deal. But those are a lot of guys that you are like, all of a sudden, man, we got to pay all these guys with either right now or within the next two years. So what happens in this case is you have to start to pick and choose. I, you know, and I didn't even mention him because he's a pending free agent right now, Jakob Pertl, who all signs coming out of Toronto are, hey, we give him a first-round pick for this guy at the, the last uh, um, uh, trade deadline. He's a must resign. We got to get him back. And I think that kind of signals to me someone, if not a couple, someone's out of the Siakam and Anobi Barnes Trent group are going because it sounded good to build this roster of all these guys who were six foot eight to six foot nine and, you know, could all do a lot of different things until none of them were very good shooters. And all of a sudden it was, man, we can't craft enough stops to cover for what's been a you know kind of terrible uh, offensive approach. Uh, we don't have a true point guard really leading the way. I like Fred Van Vliet, but he's much more of a small combo guard than he is a true point guard. So I tend to think, all that said, I think they re-signed Pirtle, get him on a very reasonable contract, highly likely, uh, back you know for the next few years. I think they let Trent Jr. walk, and then Van Vliet probably becomes a conversation of, hey, we still like you. You're our guy. But you're 29 now. We've got to really decide what are you going to be. He's had a lot of injury things over the last couple of seasons. So that needs to be a whole conversation around how much. And if it starts to get a little crazy, they probably need to be willing to let him walk. And then from there it becomes, is it time to trade OG and Obi before it gets super expensive? You know you'll have teams lining up because we heard about some of those teams at the trade deadline. And I always remind folks, at the trade deadline, sometimes conversations happen that set the groundwork for an off-season trade where it was just, eh, it's just not the right time for us right now. So I could see a team like the Memphis Grizzlies saying, hey, we can craft a trade where, where what we really pay you in is a bunch of draft picks to go get an OG and an OB who would really fit in perfectly. Then if you're Toronto, if you're saying, all right, we're going to take a minor step back, but not a full tank job, but just we're, we're going to, you know, kind of probably be right around where we're at again this season. Um, and we'll, we'll reset around a Siakam Barnes 
hurdle and a bunch of picks group, then I think that becomes a kind of a reasonable idea to think through if you're the Raptors. Yeah, OG's name has started coming up uh, quite more frequently with the whole Dylan Brooks situation. So that situation is not going to go away anytime soon, I do not think. Um, as far as the rookies that could be extension eligible, you got Achua, who they traded for, Malachi Flynn. Um, are, are those players that my guess is if they do extend them, that is going to be more towards the September, October to see where this roster is. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah, I think so. I think that's one where there's no reason to rush into day one. Those day one rookie scale extensions are the max guys generally or the near max guys. You know, I know RJ Barrett wasn't the, you know, necessarily the full max um, type of guy, but he got, basically that so and then other than that it's you know the john Morant, zion williamson's of the world so i think what happens in this case is you just kind of let this see look, get all your other work done first flynn's not going to get extended he hasn't shown enough I, I i would be shocked it, it would have to be so team friendly it just wouldn't even remotely make sense for him and then i think uh achua he's shown quite a bit but i think if you're the raptors you got to be very cautious and this is where what other work you do will help guide that decision because you, you re-signed Chris Boucher to a contract, not a bad contract, but you know, he's got, you know, roughly 22 ish million to go over the next two seasons. You're going to Barnes up for a new deal soon. You just got to be careful because you don't want to lock right back into. All right. Well, the is locked in now and he is our fifth big man in the rotation because of just the way we have to play or, or we've got to play these you know, really big lineups again that didn't work because the spacing got weird because Barnes isn't really a shooter and everything kind of fell apart on us. So that's where you just got to be very careful. So I tend to think that lends itself more towards, all right, this will be a later down the line decision to make. The Raptors are not usually a team. I went through the last few years of, uh, free agent signings and most of their major free agent signings have been their own players that they've brought mm-hmm. in and then they re-sign them as a free agent. Do you see them being players this year? If Fred Van Vliet does move off, Gary Trent Jr. does move off, opens up a little bit. Do you foresee them trying to go into free agency or are they uh, so set on their, their internal development that they're okay of moving forward without those players. If they decide not to stay with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. What's interesting is there is a world where the Raptors really hit like a full, like hard reset here. And they say Trent Van Vliet can go. Uh, They basically renounce everybody and they have roughly 30 million in cap space. And then, you know, this kind of mid first round pick late lottery pick, And then what you're kind of looking at if you're the Raptors is, all right, everybody's gone. And what we're going to do is we're still going to resign Pirtle, but instead of, you know, resigning him, you know, or however it works out, you know, we give him, 
let's say 15 million, we've still got, you know, 15 million in cap space to go play with and try to go add some guys. And that's just enough more that, you know, not saying he's the right fit, but we just talked about a guy like Christian Wood, right? That's kind of the range. You're getting in the mix for those type of players. I mean, maybe, maybe you start looking around and you say, you know, Hey, what, what, what can we really do at the guard position to really kind of, you know, fill this out. Is there, there a $15 million guard out there that we can go get, you know, is that a, uh, you know, could we put together a really good offer and go, you know, sign Gabe Vincent away from the Miami heat for 10 million a year, and then use that extra money to, you know, get a, go get another uh, shooting guard type player, like a, you know, Jalen Noel, or, you know, even a Seth Curry, if we went the veteran route or Lonnie Walker, who, you know, coming off a monster game uh, for the Lakers against the Warriors last night. Like those are the kind of decisions you could make. I tend to think they probably don't go that route, but it could be there because if there's a GM that's going to feel confident in saying, Hey, I can, you know, make, I always say with, with Masai Ujiri, I can make a home run cut then he that he's the guy, right? He's the guy who can say, I'll take that home run swing and I'm going to go in a free agency. I'm going to make it happen that way or even by a trade, right? Because then you're talking, all right, we put the 13th pick and something else in a trade. We go get something. Historically, you're right. Free agency hasn't been a big thing for them. And last year they tried, right? They used a big chunk of their MLE to go get Otto Porter Jr., they barely got any games out of them because of an injury. So they may be a little bit more on the you know shy side there of, Hey, let's maybe try to do this through, through trade rather than free agency. But the free agency path is open if they really want to go down that one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The front office is not, a, not afraid to make a trade or a signing when it is the right move for them at that moment in time. So I, I, I don't have any fear that they'll they'll go down the path that they feel is right for them. With that being said, you're you're really dialed in. You you have conversations with people. Do they have any concerns in Toronto with the you know the exchange rate or the taxes when trying to sign players? Generally, no. It hasn't really been an issue. More what you hear from. Uh, sometimes with the Raptors, but more often from the player side is it's the fact that it is that there's just this, it's not the money piece because there, there's enough things that are in the CBA that make that palatable for players. That was a whole part of when they brought in the Raptors and Grizzlies, there was this thought of, well, no one's going to ever sign with them. And they did enough to say, all right, you know, it's there. The, the one thing is, before they get there, you have a lot of players like, I don't know, man, it's Canada and it's cold, right? Well, why do I want to go live in a place where, you know, we every, every year all we see is a million people running around bundled up in the middle of the wintertime. Now, every player I've ever talked to, once they've played there in Toronto, they love it. They love it as a city. They do really well with international players because it's a very international city um, in Toronto. So they can, they, they really do well with guys coming in to play there. So they, they, that's not something I think that they, they worry about necessarily with that. I think it is mostly, you know, Hey, we're, we, we need to put a good product on the floor and prove we're going to be competitive and we'll be in the mix to get guys we want. All right. Anything else we need to know with the Toronto Raptors? 
The only thing I'm going to throw out there is keep an eye on uh, Delano Banton. He's a restricted free agent. This guy's good. He can actually play. He, injuries kind of wrecked things for him a little bit last year, but he's a very, very big um, ball handling guard. He's about six foot eight or so, uh, maybe six foot nine, but he can really handle the ball. He can do some stuff. Uh, he's really kind of coming into his own. This is a guy who I think might be one of those ones where it goes overlooked what he gets in free agency and nobody really thinks about it. And then the next thing we know, he is a key rotation guy uh, for Toronto in the next season. He's somebody that I think they really had bigger plans for last year before injuries kind of waylaid his season. So I'd keep an eye on him. All right. Fascinating stuff with the Toronto Raptors. We'll see what path they choose, rip off the bandaid or in between or move forward with what they have and try to keep the status quo. We shall see as time moves on. And the New Orleans Pelicans, McCollum is locked up. Ingram is locked up. Zion is really locked up, but can he stay healthy? Nance Jr. is locked up. What does this team need to do? What do they? What, what positional areas do they need to focus on? And uh, what kind of upgrades do they need to do to move forward outside of Zion needs to be healthy and on the court. Well, you took the big one right off the board there at the <laughs> end. I, I, it's, I hate to boil it all down to just that, but that kind of is where we're at, right? If, if he is healthy and can play there, this team is, you know, they're probably in the mix for home court advantage in the West. It's just, that's the difference maker. He has been on the floor. If he's not out there, then, you know, you gotta, you, you have to have better, depth planned going into the season than what you had a year ago. Uh, so I think that's going to be a probably a focal point for, for this Pelicans team a little bit. The good news is of their own free agents, um, we can get into Herb Jones and Najee Marshall because they're in kind of weird situations. Um, but there's not a guy you're pointing to, like, got to get him resigned. Has to be, be him. So I think they're going to be in position to maybe use the, you know, the, um, you know, taxpayer MLE, we'll see, you know, maybe they move on from, from a guy or two and then they can get off a little bit of money. You know, if they could get off like, uh, you know, Garrett Temple's contract and maybe move on from one other player. Um, all of a sudden now what it is, is you're in a spot where, all right, we've got enough to use the full tax or full non-tax MLE. And if you can get in that position, and I think they can get there. Now you could really add a rotation guy and what you're targeting there, because it's important to remember that goes up, right? We, we had that, that bump up. So it's going to be about $12.2 million. Now what you're looking at is I think then what you're, if you're the Pelicans, you're going to go get, all right, I need somebody who can start at the four when Zion is out, but can also play with Zion at the three or at the five. Um, you're not going to be in the mix for Draymond Green or Jeremy Grant. Those guys are going to be too expensive. But could you pull over Harrison Barnes from the Kings? Maybe, probably not. It's probably not enough money. But then you're now looking at the, all right, maybe we could craft a restricted um, offer sheet for a guy like K.J. Martin of the Rockets. He could be a really good fit. What about someone like Grant Williams um, from the Celtics and force them into it? What about Rui Hachimura? We go down a little bit lower on the list. Guy like Trey Lyles could be a really good fit uh, for them. I think, you know, if you went a little bit more of a 3-4 type player, 
he's a little bit on the you know outs right now, but a guy like Jay Crowder uh, could be somewhat of a decent fit there if you thought you know he he could really do something for you. I think you could get Yuta Watanabe and feel okay about a guy like him um, coming in and maybe playing a little bit. He's probably a little too overlapped with Marshall um, for what he gives you. And then if you want with more of another five that could also back up Jonas Valanciunas, could you get in the mix for Christian Wood? Uh, well, with the MLE, is that going to be enough for a guy like him? You know, what does that look like? But those are the kind of guys you're, you're, you're not probably in the mix for any kind of superstar player, but I think you could get yourself into the mix to really add, you know, a good talented player to your mix here because across the backcourt and the wing, I'm high enough on their younger players and their, their kind of older players that I think they're in a, in a really good place. It's just firm up that front court depth. Cause at this point you, you just have to price in Zion. You know, my, my kind of normal is he's going to miss 20 to 25 games. I would say with Zion, I'm going to price in that he's going to miss 30 to 40 games. And you know, the other 40 or so that he plays are going to be absolutely incredible. But you know, the time when he's out there, you just can't be caught with only Larry Nance Jr., who's a very good player, but has injury issues of his own behind him. Yeah, Valanciunas, you mentioned, he's a, I really like him on this team. Um, mm-hmm. I've used him in fantasy quite a bit because of the value that he has. He is extension eligible. So do you think that is a player that uh, of the extension eligible players that the Pelicans have that they will try to lock him up long term and, and then go and try to uh, get another big man to compliment him plus offset that Zion day, uh, games missed? Yeah, I think there's a chance for sure because they, they have shown they like to lock up guys they did that with cj mccollum after trading for him they obviously re-signed brandon ingram they extended zion williamson so i think what you're gonna see is this may be a summer for the pelicans where less about adding outside talent i do think they'll add a player or two because the other thing that factors in here is they've got some roster spots in play but it's not like they've got a unlike dallas who we started this show with who has like five rotation holes to fill the pelicans are more hey we can use our resources in one place and then kind of fill out with whether it be our draft pick or you know just minimum signings or whatever we we can kind of go that direction so i think um you know getting valanchunas locked up on an extension would be the right kind of move for this team because he's also because he shoots shoots it just enough from three now he's a guy whose his career is aging pretty well you can almost see him I'm not going to say he's ever going to shoot it quite as prolifically as like a Brooke Lopez has, but you could see that kind of career arc maybe being where Valanciunas goes, where he's perfectly fine as a starting center for the next three seasons or so uh, until, until he's into, you know, well into his mid thirties. So I think, yeah, if you could get him, you know, on an extension, uh, ideally you'd want to knock his number down a little bit. It's 15.4 million this year and the last year of his deal, but extend him and get that number knocked down to, you know, a you know, maybe 12, 13 million. Uh, McCollum, they did a good job there of making that a de- descending deal from year to year. You could probably pull something like that off and really be in a place where you're feeling pretty good about the contract um, that you gave him. So I th- think that's, Something to keep an eye on for sure uh, with the Pelicans, with, with Zion, be, or excuse me, with Jonas, because I think that becomes a spot where, yeah, we, we know his importance to the organization. And the number one important thing is 
I know it's only a bit brief because Zion's rarely ever on the floor, but he can play with Zion too, right? We we can we can feel okay for you know the first opening five minutes of each half that these two guys can play together. And then we craft it kind of around them. And that's where I think as they go into that, who becomes that third and fourth big in those rotations uh, with those two and Larry Nance, it's got to be somebody who can block some shots, rebound, kind of play defense there. So I think that's where, where you're looking for that a little bit. Ideally, maybe space the floor just a bit um, if you can get a guy like that. That's why I think a guy, you know, very underrated free agent this year is a guy like Trey Lyles, I think could really fit quite well with this team. Jose Alvarado has a minimum salary that is zero dollars guaranteed. Um, is that a player with how he flourished this last season where they'll just lock up that guaranteed right away or will they hold off on that? Yeah, I mean, they, they may hold off just because he had some injury issues. But my guess is that they, they, they wouldn't shock me at all if I think he becomes fully guaranteed on the league wide date in early January. And I think what you probably do is this wouldn't shock me at all if we hear, yeah, hey, Alvarado's going to be, you know, we're just picking it up. He's guaranteed to be on the roster. Um, the only way it might have gone differently is if Kira Lewis had shown more, um, and he just he just didn't. So I think what you really kind of look at there is, all right, we got to go slightly different direction, um, you know, here where we're really going to keep Alvarado around because everything he's meant to them. The guys who are really interesting to me, and I apologize if I'm jumping on your notes here, Herb Jones and Najee Marshall. Yep. Uh, Marshall is a team option, and if they decline it, um, he becomes a restricted free agent. If they pick it up, he will be back at um, $1.9 million. So now you, you love the idea of him at $1.9 million, but then next year he becomes a unrestricted free agent, and that's where it gets really tricky for him. So I think you're going to get a sense of how they really value Najee Marshall because if they decline that, then that says to me, it sounds weird to put it this way, but if they decline that option, that says to me they value him more because they're trying to get him re-signed in restricted free agency and add a few years onto his deal. He's not going to be a guy who breaks the bank. He's probably going to be around a five, six million dollar player. Um, I think kind of a decent baseline for him is the extension Nasir Little signed with with the Trailblazers, which was you know four years and well, let me make sure I get my math right here on this about twenty eight million, so about seven million annually. Marshall's probably in that range maybe slightly less um you know maybe your price on the cap's going up so you can give him that same kind of deal that's probably the range you're at with him now if they pick it up that says to me all right we're gonna let it play out but then if we lose him we lose him we're not gonna stress over it herb jones completely different story because there's two two components one clearly major player in their rotation player that they absolutely love but they have him as a restricted free agent next summer, no matter what happens. So I think what happens in that situation becomes, all right, where do we go with this with Herb Jones? Because what we want to do is we really want to kind of keep him around. He's an all defense level guy. Wouldn't shock me if he gets, you know, defensive player of the year votes someday. So we really want to keep him in the mix here. But I think what happens is do you want to decline it now? Pay him a year earlier than you have to, but then you kind of get that goodwill of we paid you early, we locked you up. So really then you're looking at that third contract. You'll pay it back to us because he's probably somebody they're going to want to keep around long term. Or do you just let it play out, keep him at the very you know steal of $1.8 million for Herb Jones, and then we handle it in restricted free agency next summer. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. If they were to decline it and do the extension – 
what could he fetch based off of his rights then? Yeah, what he would be at that point is he'd be early bird. So that's where you're looking at that. I call it the Dinwiddie um, extension. Other people call it the Norman Powell. Um, but it's basically what you're locking into on that one is that becomes a deal that'll start at the average salary uh, plus a bump over it. So you're probably looking in the range of, let's say, 13, 14 million in first year salary because those those numbers haven't quite settled just yet. Um, but that's where, you know, in the range of, let's just say four years, 60 million, just to be on the safe side. Now I'm an average about 15 million, which that, done get that done today i think then your thing is if you're jones camp do you say eh, i'm good like i don't necessarily need you to um do that today let's maybe kind of take this into next season um where i'll be a restricted free agent and then then they've got full bird rights and he can get you know, really whatever he wants because in reality he's probably a 20 plus million dollar a year player with where everything's going with the cap and all that so i think that becomes a um uh how do i say this that becomes a like like point of contention of all right hey we got to get this kind of done because these guys are you know they, these are what we're locking into moving forward um with these guys are 20 million dollar players when they can defend the way jones can Right, especially with the cap going up and all of that. Mm -hmm. So things are going to get escalated quite quickly. And if you can lock him up on a team-friendly deal, but giving him money that he's not necessarily seeing right now, I mean, bumping from uh, 1.8 to <laughs> 12 looks much better right? from the player side. It's sort of what the, you know, the Atlanta Braves have done. They've really locked up a lot of their young core to massively team-friendly deals. And if, if Herb Jones feels that this is the team that he wants to be on, even taking a shorter deal, not four-year, but a shorter deal, and get the money locked in now and then re-up you know, in a couple years, that might be advantageous to a player like him and to the Pelicans where their situation is now where they do have quite a bit of their core locked up. And if he can be that core on a team-friendly deal, it, it, it opens up some – more doors in a few years once the roster is more flushed out. You can see where Zion potentially is. If Valanchunas is still on the roster, where is Brandon Ingram at that point? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's an interesting spot for him. Take the money now or bank on yourself and, and cash in later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those, probably it trends towards, Let's just, uh, you know, put this off just because yeah, I know it's hard. That's right. I, I don't want to necessarily be his agent where I am, um, you know, telling him, hey, let's let's not make, you know, 10 million to 11 million dollars more this year. Right. Because it just feels weird to have that conversation. But I think part of that conversation has to be uh, because, you know, you're going to lock in and you may give up 20 million overall over the life of a year next deal if we don't get this locked in now. So I think that's where you just got to be kind of, um, you know, kind of in a position where, all right, let's get, get the, this done. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, going to be something where, you know, the team and the agent have to be on the same page, obviously, as well as the player with Jones. Um, clearly they're not going to let him go unless things got really silly and restricted free agency, um, which, they, they probably won't because then he'd be an arenas guy and they, you'd be looking at a Austin Reeves situation. You know, if you're really interested, go read the Austin Reeves article on the site. Um, 
because it lays out everything with the arenas and what, what that could become. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're really in a spot where, you know, he's somebody to keep an eye on for sure, but we're really, you know, all right, where are we going with this? Because I think for the most part, it's going to be, whether it's now or a year from now, he's going to get taken care of by the Pelicans. Can I ask about Jackson Hayes? I don't think you brought him up at all. He's yeah, a restricted yeah. free agent. Uh, does he just not fit on this roster? What are your thoughts with him? Yeah, you know, you you you, you want him to because he's young and he's big, and sometimes young bigs take you know a little later. Sometimes it is when you're in that second contract when they really start to put all that together. He's only 22; he's not even turned 23 until the, a couple weeks from now. Um, so there, there's still a lot of growth to come. But you know, last year he's finally starting to show a little bit of signs of maybe breaking out and uh, becoming something. Then he had some off the court stuff go on. That wasn't really great. And then this year never was able to lock in a full rotation spot. That's even with Zion out and, uh, Valanchunas missed some time. He only played in 47 games, averaged five points per game uh, when he played only 13 minutes per game. That's the lowest amount. So that says to me, they're probably ready to move on. I don't think this was a, hey, let's keep him down to kind of keep his numbers down and keep his you know, price down a little bit. But he's never really become a very good defender too. And that's been the bigger challenge. I think they had these dreams of, all right, Hayes and Zion are going to be the super athletic front court. They can both step outside enough. So spacing won't be an issue. And we're going to feel really, really good about this, but Hayes never really last year. There were some signs. He took 57 threes um, in 70 games. They made 20 of them. So it was kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm kind of perked up a little bit, but then this year he took 29 and only made three. So I think we were small sample size theater on that one. So I think it's just, you know, it, it's probably going to be a just move on unless it's one of those where we see this every once in a while where, okay, you got nothing else offered your way. Um, maybe, you know, if they give him the qualifying offer, you know, hey, just sign that. That's seven. Well, right now it's 7.8 million. We're waiting on the final um, with the new CBA, what those are being bumped to. Um, but, you know, it's going to be right around $8 million. And all right, well, if we bring you back for $8 million, maybe we can find a place to drop you in the rotation but i think more likely this one's probably headed for a breakup anything else we need to know about the new orleans pelicans yeah I, josh richardson's kind of an interesting free agent he kind of played okay for them brought a little bit of size to the backcourt but i think ideally they'd give all of those minutes to dyson daniels moving forward i think they feel pretty good about him as a player and you can really kind of say all right let's let's go forward there uh trey murphy is is gonna be a fun player he's got one year left next summer we'll be talking about him a lot because it'll be extension eligible uh, for the first time for a rookie extension. And he's going to be really uh, someone to watch here because he did quite well as a starter um, this year. He can really shoot the ball. He can do a lot of things, super duper athlete too. So, you know, I think he's probably going to be in the mix long-term, but this is another team right this year. You've got three players up over $33 million per season. Um, that starts to, once you get in that range, there's your whole cap space, right? And now you add in a couple other guys, Valentunas at 15, Nance at 10, and this team gets super expensive very quickly. So that's where you got to make some some decisions, maybe move on from some guys that have been around for a little bit and kind of go in a different direction to free up just that little bit of flexibility to build out your rotation and snag another rotation player or two and kind of move forward. But, you know, New Orleans, it's – to go all the way back to what we started with, so much of this depends on is Zion going to be on the floor? If he is, then 
let's go all kinds of different ways and we'll feel pretty good about it. If he's not going to be on the floor, then all of a sudden we're kind of like, uh, I don't know where we're going. All right. The Raptors and Pelicans articles should be up here soon. Uh, what else is next, Keith? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're cranking through. So Dallas was our last of the non postseason teams to, to post. So now, now we're into the teams we saw actually play in the play in. So Toronto and New Orleans will go up. I'm hoping later this week, um, I'll have those ready. And then we got Chicago and OKC to close out our non playoff teams. And then, then we're, we're, we're right into it. By the time those ones go up, we'll have teams eliminated in the second round. Um, so we're just going to keep, keep chugging on through And the playoff teams to me is where it tends to get a little fun because we get a, we get that little bit more data on those teams and start to really be able to look at, all right, what are these teams? Um, what did they look like on the biggest stage? You know, where, where are we going with that? But I'm, I'm it's funny. I, I, I keep finding myself. I, I, I got to stay true to the process and the order we've set, but man, I really want to get into Oklahoma city, <laughs> you know, because they're just such a fun one, but th- those are all coming down the line and, you know, then the playoff teams and we, we just keep cranking forward as we, you know, chug towards the, uh, trade deadline. By the time you and I talk uh, next on the show, we'll be at uh, draft lottery day. Uh, which is super exciting because that that obviously it sets a whole different tone uh, depending on how that comes for a lot of these teams, especially with uh, Victor Wembanyama sitting out there. So we'll I'll have something on that with uh, post lottery cap space projections and all those kind of things things coming too. So we get a lot of cool stuff coming uh, over the coming weeks here as we're you know less than two months out from from the off season kicking off, which is a little brain breaking to be quite honest with you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of stuff coming fast. Uh, Looking forward to all of that. If you have any questions, please hit uh, Keith up at at KeithSmithNBA. Ask whatever questions you have. And if you have thoughts on the site or can't find something, let us know. We will guide you to it. And if we don't have it, we will try to get it up there for you. Uh, For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast. 